You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Even without it, she's so beautiful. The tattoo around her lips, how brilliant it is. It can only be wondered at. Hello there, my friend. It's TK. We're here together doing our For the Love of History thing, bringing you episode 16. Crazy. Crazy. This episode is very, very near and dear to me for two reasons. So number one, I live in Japan and I love Japanese history. And number two, because I am in fact a tattooed lady. I have tattoos and love them immensely. Our topic today is the Ainu and the tattooed smile. And if you've never heard of the Ainu, you're not alone. But I'm really happy and excited to bring you this small part of the Ainu culture. So get comfy and cozy and turn up the AC because frankly, it's really hot and you deserve it. Treat yourself. Let's get started. So first of all, who are the Ainu and why don't you know about them? Like I said, friend, if you've never heard of the Ainu before, you are by no means alone and it is not by accident. The Ainu have been in Japan since 14,500 BC, but they weren't recognized by the Japanese government as indigenous people until two. 2008. And before that, various Japanese governments throughout time have done their part to wipe the Ainu culture from existence. There were laws banning the culture outright, banning the use of the language, banning all religious practices, banning the tattoo practices. And especially during the Edo period, the 1600s, the government wanted a unified country with no cultural differences. So they did their darndest to just assimilate the Ainu people and make it illegal to be Ainu, basically. But let's back it up. Before the assimilation, before the persecution, who were and who are the Ainu people? Because although they do not practice the art of tattooing anymore, there are still Ainu people in Japan. So they came to Japan in 14,500 BC. That's a long, long time ago. And they were up in Hokkaido at first and then spread around. I'm going to put a map of Japan up on the Instagram so you guys can kind of get an idea of where Hokkaido is. But if you picture Japan like a weird banana, Hokkaido is at the top of that banana. (laughs) So that's how I always pictured Japan. (laughs) So the Aidu people had their own culture. They were hunters and gatherers. Their religion was animistic like Japanese religion is, but it's a little bit different. And it ties into their tattooing practice, and we're going to talk more about that later. They also have very, very strong family bonds, their language, And their culture is different from what is considered the quote-unquote traditional Japanese culture. Like, for example, as a person who studies and speaks Japanese a little bit, not great, but I can do it. If I were to listen to the Ainu language, I would have 
absolutely no idea what they were saying. So that's how different the two languages are. This is a very short, short overview of the I knew people. So I'm going to leave some more information in the show notes. So please take a look at that if you have a chance. But this is an inside out episode. We're here for the body modification. We're here for the tattoos. So let's get in to the tattoos. We're going to look at Ainu tattooing in two parts. Number one, how it's done. And number two, why it's done. So how is the tattooing done? Or was the tattooing done? The technology we have today for tattoos is super high tech. It's an ink-based tattoo. And you use a gun with a ton of needles. And you, you can get any kind of tattoo you want. Anything is fine. And they're also super fast comparatively compared to traditional ways of tattooing. But the Ainu tattoo process was slower and much more painful. The modern Ainu term for tattooing is nuye, meaning to carve, and hence to tattoo and to write. And more literally, sinue is to carve one's self. But the old term for tattoo was anchi pidi. Anchi meaning obsidian, you know, that like really shiny, sharp rock. And also pidi, which means to cut. The tattoo itself is called shinue or panai, depending on the area that you're from. It's like a dialect thing. The really fascinating part about Ainu tattoos is everyone could not get a tattoo. It was only women. Only women were allowed to not only get tattoos, but to give tattoos. It was strictly a lady business thing. And this was because in Ainu mythology, the ancestral mother, Okikurumi Tesuri Machi, was the one who gave tattooing to the Ainu people. So it was given by a woman and passed down through the ladies. The process of actually making the tattoo is also really interesting. So you would take a very small, sharp knife called a makiri, and before steel was invented, they would use that razor-sharp obsidian, the black, shiny rock, and they would make a tiny blade, and they would wrap it in some kind of fiber or cloth so that just the tip of the obsidian was showing and they could have more control over how deep the cut went. So as they were making these cuts, blood would come out, as blood often does when you're cut, and they would wipe it away with a cloth that was soaked in hot ash wood or spindle wood that was mixed with water. And it was an antiseptic and they called this nide. And after it was all sanitized and the blood was wiped away, the tattooer would take soot from the bottom of a kettle and rub it into the cut. The soot would be prepared right before the tattoo was being given. It wasn't just like random kettle soot. So they would rub it into the tattoo and the ink would stay. So that's the technical biz. Let's get down to a little bit more spiritual stuff. While the tattooing was going on, 
The tattooer would sing something called a yukar, which is a portion of an epic poem that said, even without it, she is so beautiful. The tattoo around her lips, how brilliant it is. It can only be wondered at. Afterward, as that tattooer was adding more pigment, she would recite a kind of spell or magic incantation, saying something like, pas siya, roski roski, pas den den meaning soot enclosed, remain, soot sink in, sink in. And I don't know if you have ever gotten a cut anywhere on your body and then it touched anything, let alone rubbed into something, you know that that shit hurts. It hurts real bad. And if you've seen any of the pictures on Instagram so far of the Ainu tattoos, then you're probably thinking, oh my God, TK, how did they survive all this tattooing all at once? Well, they didn't. They did not do all of the tattoos in one sitting. The tattooing was done in a gradual process, starting from the age of seven or eight, or in some places, 12 years old, depending on the location. The girls' first tattooing sessions would just be small dots around their mouths. The cuts would heal and more and more would be added to different places on the face, hands, and arms up to the elbows, creating really beautiful patterns. The process continued until her wedding day when the groom would make the final cuts that turned the tattoo on her face into a smile. However, there are some accounts on the final tattooing that varies. In some places, it says that women continue on tattooing themselves their whole life. So it really just depends on where the women lived and what the tradition was in their specific village. So now we know how it's done. We got it. We could, we could do it ourselves at this point. <laughs> just kidding. But the question remains, why was it done? If anybody is out there listening who has a tattoo, I'm sure that you remember the pain of your tattoo. Uh, mine hurt so bad and I'm a huge baby. As we know, tattoo culture varies depending on the country. For the Ainu women, their tattoos were deeply connected with their religion and the afterlife. As I said earlier, the Ainu are animistic meaning that each thing in nature is considered to be a god. Like one tree is one god, a bear is another god, and these gods were called Kamyu. Each family was connected with an animal Kamyu as like their protective god. So for example, bears, whales, birds, foxes, and a ton of other animals would be the protector of that family. And each protector animal had their own protecting power and related tattoo pattern. So based on the family's animal god, the women would pass down very specific tattoo patterns to give strength from that god to the women in the family. So it was both for strength and to remember your family ties. But not only were the patterns connected to animals and gods and ancestors, but they were also believed to ward off evil spirits and diseases. The wives of all of these gods had tattoos. So the evil spirits would see like, oh my God, these women have tattoos. Oh snap, better not mess with her. This is an actual quote from an evil spirit I found. Oh snap, better not mess with her. 
<laughs> but anyways. So the evil spirits would see that these women were tattooed, and then they would just go on their merry way, not wanting to bother them. And different patterns were connected with protecting from different diseases. A major one was arthritis and cataracts. And I did find evidence of women tattooing themselves after marriage to protect themselves from diseases. So for example, um, there was a woman who lost her eyesight and she was encouraged to re-tattoo her mouth and her arms to bring back her health. Also, when outbreaks of diseases happened in a village, the women would all come together and tattoo each other to fight against the disease with what was called the scent of tattooing. So if they all got together and they started tattooing, then a smell or a aura or something would come out of the tattoo circle and ward off the diseases. And the final connection with tattooing was coming-of-age ceremonies. At different times in the Ainu women's life, they would get different tattoos. So at different ages, when significant life events happened, they would get tattoos. There was also kind of a social ranking system that was connected with the tattooing. Like, for example, chiefs' daughters leaders of the village's daughters would get tattoos first and they would get more tattoos and also different tattoos. So you could kind of see like, oh, this girl is my age, but she already has tattoos, so I have to respect her kind of a thing. Or, oh, this girl has such and such a tattoo, so I have to treat her in such and such a way. So it was kind of a, a ranking system as well. So there's so much meaning behind these tattoos and so much connection with the Ainu women's life. But unfortunately, there's no records left of why the tattooing began in the first place, other than the mythology of one of the goddess mothers giving the women tattoos. And this is partly because the tradition is just so old. It's like thousands of years old. And it's also because of the way that the non-indigenous Japanese people treated the Ainu. As early as 1799, the Edo government cracked down on the practice of tattooing not only with the Ainu women, but quote-unquote traditional Japanese tattooing as well. The traditional Japanese religion of Shintoism forbid people from tattooing themselves, but it was totally done by people all the time. Like, I made a post on the Instagram about traditional Japanese tattooing. They were all about the tattoos, the merchant class. They were getting tattoos. They were getting big old tattoos. So, pfft, tattooing was happening. But back to the Ainu. Why? where they cracked down on so hard. So the biggest issue was when Japan was trying to homogenize and create one unified Japan, because it wasn't. There was lots of different groups of people before the Edo period in what was called the Warring States period, so pre-1600s. And the Edo government was like, we want homogenization. We don't want any deviation. We want everybody to be the same, but except for the samurai, because they're better than everybody else. So because of this idea, a few different organizations were created to just crack down on the Ainu people and their tattoos, especially. So there was a 
an organization called the Hokkaido Development Mission, and it was a group that was trying to, quote, tame the wild Hokkaido people. And they proclaimed in 1871 that those born after this day are strictly prohibited from being tattooed because the custom was too cruel. And if they found younger people, they would just throw them in jail or punish them in some way. And so some Ainu people were secretly tattooing their daughters because, oh, I forgot to mention that if you don't have tattoos when you die as an Ainu woman, you go straight to hell and demons will give you your full tattoos done at the same time. So you just get cut to bits in hell if you don't have tattoos as an Ainu woman. So this was a big deal. So Ainu women were like secretly tattooing their daughters and their granddaughters and they would just hide them away so that they wouldn't get punished by the Hokkaido Development Mission and other organizations. But eventually the punishment and the social exclusion just provided to be too much. There was just so much prejudice and it made it really hard for the Ainu women who already had a strike against them for having the audacity to be born without a penis. So that number one, they were women, and number two, they were indigenous people, and number three, they had tattoos. So just the, the cards were stacked against them. And by 1998, the practice had died, and the last tattooed Ainu woman passed away in that year as well but I don't like leaving you sad, friend. So I've got good news for the final thought today. So in the past 10 or so years, there has been a concerted effort by the Hokkaido Prefectural Government to keep the language and the culture of the Ainu people alive, and it's working. You can study the language in many universities. There are cultural centers dedicated exclusively to the Ainu, and there's a super cool Ainu museum that I want to go to so freaking bad. And when I go there, you bet your cute little butt that I'm gonna talk about it and share pictures with you. So do not despair too much. The culture is not dead. It is still being preserved, so I'm going to leave a few links to those preservation places in the show notes, so please feel free to check those out. And that's all she wrote, friend, or rather, that's all I wrote. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And if you feel moved to leave a review or rating, I would be extremely grateful. And side note, I don't know what happened last week, but y'all loved the toothbrush episode. Like, I'm not, usually I get like between like honestly 20 and 30 downloads per episode. But for some reason, people were loving the toothbrush episode. And there's almost 120 downloads right now. So thank you. Thank you so much. I cannot even tell you how much I appreciate it. Like seriously, thank you so much. And once again... Thank you for listening. If you feel moved to leave a review or a rating, I would be eternally grateful. If you don't leave a review or a rating, it's okay. TK is still going to love you regardless. And with that, I bid you adieu until next week when we talk about Empress Batty Wu's Etchen. Bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs>